0: Hi, welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast. Elizabeth Collins, your host here. If you're wondering why the sound is even worse than usual, it's because i'm I'm in bed on my mobile phone recording this, and that's I'm really sorry that the quality is so bad uh, it's just it's very, very cold here today, and um my I'm not using my heater because I'm saving money. Um, Because I am still in university, I am still there. I did not drop out. Uh, I got a lot of support, and um, I realize it's a very complicated issue. I know one of the things I think that made me stay, rightly or wrongly, apart from all the self-interest, which was obviously primary, I freely admit that, was that I know around the world there are there are thousands of vegans at least going through this um, situation it doesn't matter what field you're in I've I've been contacted with people who are studying I think speech language therapy it might have been and um, it's the same thing and they're so they're not participating in any animal experimentation but it's there in the literature and it's in the field. Um, so it's obviously a, an issue. I'm 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 still open to any feedback. I'm still full of doubt, and I'm still not exactly comfortable with myself. And I'm doing some soul searching, and I think that the truth is, is that my Self-interest is the main reason why I'm still there. Um, I don't know how to justify it, really, any other way. But I do do think it's a complicated situation and that there... And I do see the point that I'm not doing... I'm not participating in it any more than if I work at a company where they have company barbecues To promote their company every year I mean yeah I could go round and round it's not the same as that it's not the same as that so anyway okay so I'm still in university Um, the only reason I'm doing this podcast is because I'm on holiday finally I passed my exams I am so disappointed at how hard this course is I studied so hard for my exams and I still only got like a B, I think a B, which is like a low B, like 72% in one of them and 75 in the other. I mean, I know that I should be happy with that, but you have no idea how hard I studied and how many hours and hours of solid just full on. I mean, I studied full time, eight to 10 hours a day for seven entire days. And I'm not exaggerating. And I still only got that. Can you imagine if I hadn't studied? So I'm really struggling because I know there are people just breezing through this course, and that's great, and I'm happy for them. But I used to be those people, <laughs> and I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm still in it, so there you go. But I'm doing this podcast today because of a lot of frustration. You know, I I kind of I feel like I've been buried at the bottom of the ocean, being so overwhelmed with with the study, and I have not been hardly doing anything on Facebook or looking at anything or doing anything at all apart from study. I mean, I'm barely surviving, trying to stay healthy, trying to eat, trying to survive on no sleep. But um, I have, you know, I checked a couple of things out and I don't know why. I think I went on, why did I do it? I went on the uh, the vegan, sorry, the Aotearoa vegan Society, right? Is that the Vegan Society of New Zealand? I think they're called... Ah, the Vegan Society of Aotearoa, right? So the Vegan Society of New Zealand. And um, and there was a post about reducitarianism and they went out of their way to say, we support this. You know, so I just... Oh, my heart just broke a little. I mean, I didn't think my heart could break anymore, but it just... And I, I shouldn't be surprised. I know... How it is, but it's so oh, frustrating. I just want to scream, and um, and I and I and I still have a really hard time dealing with as vegans. Vegetarianism is in the welfare's camp. I mean, you you know, we don't want to create a whole new criteria for that. It's still new welfareism. It's still people saying we're going to get to veganism uh, step by step or this or that. Or, you know, we, we're we going to get people to veganism through everything but veganism. And, you know, this is all going to lead to abolition. I mean, I think that they genuinely believe that. In fact, I, if I see rightly, the post was like, you know, this is, oh, it's so frustrating. Where, wh- where, where is this? How do they justify it to themselves, though, really? This is the vegan society. The vegan society. There is so much information about... Ve- I mean, if you're not going to promote... If you're not going to be on the side of justice, which reductionism is not on the side of justice, okay? It is on the side of injustice. Just slightly less injustice in their mind, you know, whatever. I mean, somebody who eats an apple instead of the sort of milk crackers that they were going to eat, oh, well, all of a sudden that person's a reducitarianism, a reducitarian, how, how can we ever expect to dig ourselves out of this quagmire, this sucking, to sorry, that's a Spanish word, whole, you know, pit of speciesism, if, if even the vegan and the vegan society, if even they, you know, especially they, overwhelmingly they, are getting behind and promoting these non-vegan unjust positions. These positions, anything that is, You know, it is black and white. Anything that is not vegan is non-vegan, okay? There's vegan and there's non-vegan. There's justice and there's injustice. There's animal rights and there's animal exploitation, okay? The grey areas that are in every part of our lives, which they are, and they are, there are grey areas... um, because we because of the species this world and the fact that there's animal products and things that we don't know about, like, you know, or that we really can't avoid um like moving into an apartment and there's animal products in the paint and you're renting, you know, those would be what I would consider a grey area in terms of, you know, it's not black and white there, but in terms of justice, in terms of the position that you take as a vegan as the vegan society there's no great area in the position that you take about injustice when it comes to fundamental injustice because we we are we are talking about fundamental primary injustice it's not that we're talking about a place where you know Okay, people have been emancipated from slavery, perhaps, but there's still so much other injustice, and we're working on those. You know, well, we ought to be working on those as a society. And there are things, you know, there's all kinds of complicated situations. You know, I mean, we could go over a million scenarios around the world. I'm talking about human rights now, but there's a difference. When you're talking about fundamental it's so important to realize that this is a fundamental you know what we mean by that is that these beings, these sentient beings, are literally property. They are literally property. That means that their bodies are unprotected by any rights whatsoever they do not have the right to their own bodies they do not have the right to their own lives their bodies can be assaulted and brutalized and are you know with impunity and this is across the board okay and when i'm talking about assault and brutalized I'm not talking about these welfareist exposés of slaughterhouse workers adding to the repertoire of of brutality in these animals' lives. I'm talking about the baseline fundamental I mean, how hard is that to understand? How hard is it to snap out of this speciesism? Well, it's very, very hard. It is the thing that has depressed me the most, you know, as a vegan. Being vegan itself, you know, being practically speaking for the vast majority of us is easy. It it takes effort in terms of you, if you are never vegan and then you become vegan, you learn how to cook differently, you learn how to be aware of ingredients. Um, we've just found out that RJ's licorice, which everyone thought was vegan, and, you know, it's funny, they used to have vegan on their packaging. And um, there's nothing on their packaging that suggests that it's not vegan. So we're actually writing to them about that because it's just not right. But they used to have vegan on the packaging. And then I remember all of a sudden the vegan was gone. It was just vegetarian. They used to say RJ's licorice, vegan slash vegetarian, which I hate anyway. But then the vegan word disappeared. And I questioned it. And I went to the vegan store. This was years ago. And I went to the vegan store and I said, "There's a problem because look, they've taken." I I I'm pretty sure it was the vegan store. I said, "There's a problem. They've taken the word vegan off the packaging. Does that mean they've now made their products non-vegan?" And they said, "You know, officially, they said to me, you know, no, we checked. It's just the it's just the marketing.' They because this was years ago. So you know, back then, now people are." Actively putting vegan on their products. I don't know if you all have noticed how many more products there are that are vegan. I mean, I went up to the local pharmacy, and they said we have vegan supplements. And our da da I went to the local, um, you know, the word vegan. You know, the, the funny thing is, or well, the sad ironic thing is, non-vegans because these are non-vegan companies, right? They they're not vegan companies. They have no problem using the word vegan when they're selling a vegan product. But the vegans are like, we can't use the word vegan, we can't use the word vegan. I mean, if a non-vegan company who is all about making money off their products knows that putting the word vegan on their products means, you know, those products will sell more, does not that kind of fly in the face of this claim that using the word vegan is going to scare people away? I mean, hello, look around you. It's a bit like that argument that, you know, welfareism doesn't help animal industry. Well, why do they promote it so much? Why is it such an intrinsic part of their packaging and their marketing, the welfareism. If it's not helping them to sell products, ask yourself that. As you can tell, I'm very, very frustrated today. I think you know, there's lots of reasons why I get frustrated. The vast majority of reasons is is welfareism and speciesism and vegans. I have not learned to. I mean, I'm not going to. I mean, I'll never accept it. I'll never be cool with it. I'd like to be able to engage with welfareist vegans, but you know, they're like those non-vegans who are like, "I just don't care. So stop bothering me." That that's kind of the you get this. You get this unbelievable mentality where you you it, it's it's astonishing how the mentality of it it's it's this hand in the face ah uh, you are you know they this sort of really mm, it's hard to explain unless you've come up across one um I do always wonder if this um really unbelievably deeply entrenched speciesism in vegans um is is because i don't I'm not sure about this is but it's because um they are very heavily invested in their relationships with the non vegans in their lives, which would be the majority of people in their lives, their friends and their family, their boyfriends, their girlfriends, their husbands, their wives, their parents. Um, and rather than trying to find a way to be consistent with their, with those friends and family and not um, cause permanent rifts in the relationship whereas there is no longer any communication and things like that. Um, you know, I think if somebody is vegan and is completely unwilling to compromise when challenged, you know, when brought up, even someone who doesn't go out of their way to bring it up at family gatherings, but if they're challenged and they refuse to compromise, right, which they should, and then the family cuts them off, that is really sad. But I don't think that that is the number one reaction. I don't think that that is the um, the primary um, result of that. I think that's in extreme cases where families you know where you're uncompromising in your own veganism and you d- and you just do not bow to speciesism and um and then you're completely cut off from your family like they they disown you basically i i have heard of that happening and it is very sad for the person involved um but you know the people involved are the type of people who recognize the injustice compromise on the non-human animals than they would on a position against racism for example um you know um and there are people who are cut off from their families because they refuse to be racist they refuse to be homo you know heterosexual and that does happen unfortunately that does happen uh, but i don't think it's very very common so i think what 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 these people need to let go of is this fear. I mean, I'm just speculating. I I mean, speciesism is as is, is entrenched as racism and sexism. You know, I mean, that's an understatement. I mean, speciesism is... You know, you know something is really deep and really, really in, intense and and, and and insidious when the entire, almost, almost the entire movement of this sort of social justice issue justice issue or whatever it may be is infected with the very disease that they're claiming to be combating a lot of the time um some aren't some are just saying no i just want to you know i'm just a, i just want to save the environment or whatever but you know there is a vast movement out there as we know the animal movement as it's called um which is supposedly the movement for animals, and it's infected with speciesism. Um, And I do see parallels now that I've learned a little more about feminism, that the feminist movement was infected with um, patriarchy. Um, And so I do see parallels, you know. um, I see a lot of 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 issues um, amongst femi- women. Women, you know, the women's movement, you know, maybe I should call it that because of course there's a lot of women who refuse to use the word feminist because the opposition, you know, the patriarchy has been very successful in their campaign to, uh, to vilify and demonize and, and terrify sorry, about feminism and the word feminist and terrify, allow women to to be terrified, to be be identified with that. Um, It's been a very successful campaign, very, very sad. Um, And then you have, again, just like with the word vegan, you have all these people who call themselves feminists um, who are, in my mind, uh, mm, what's the word? um, You know, uh, acting in ways that continue to oppress women, Um, and then if you would challenge them on it, there would be all this outrage and defence and how dare you and and all that stuff. So, okay, so the animal movement's not the only one. The the women's movement, in my mind, is has the same problems, to be honest, Um, in a lot of ways, but. Well, gosh, I I really, really, really am dedicated to feminism and I identify very strongly as a feminist and I will tell anyone who (laughs) needs to know that I am a feminist. And I have to qualify the statement, you know, I say I am a radical feminist or I'm a student of radical feminism because even the term radical feminist has apparently been associated with anti-transgender people and I do not identify with that, so do I have to call myself a you know there, I think there's all these um there's all these acronyms so like there are there are those who there are radical feminists who try have to make it clear and there's an acronym I can't remember that they are not um Discriminatory against sex workers, they are actually willing to help sex workers. They're willing to try to understand their plight to what, what, what their you know their lives, you know why why they're sex workers. And apparently, there are radical feminists who basically dismiss sex workers as part of the patriarchy. I think, from what I understand, I'm still learning about. I mean, there's so much to learn, you know, about about my own movement. You know, that's my movement. You know, about my people. You know, about me and there's still so much to learn, and I'm not an authority on it, and I don't speak very confidently about it. I, I feel like I speak very confidently about animal rights, and of course that's thanks to the educational um, materials of the abolitionist approach to animal rights, the writings of Gary Francione. Thanks to that material, and you know, I credit myself for having read it, You know, I did that, I made the effort, but it was compelling. I mean, you know, I'm lucky I guess because it made so much sense to me. It was instantly, instantly the most sensible and I just, I never had any doubts about it. You know, never, Um, you know, people could hear that and say, oh, that's dogma and stuff, but no, I mean, when something makes sense to you and you keep reading about it and you keep exploring it and it keeps making a lot of sense, that's a, that's a good thing and um, and then you you learn from it and you become confident because a lot of it is is logic a logic a lot of it is um, it's, it's arguments you know it's responses to common questions to common objections, and all the informations there so I, you know I, I feel like I am very confident in speaking about um, the animal rights issues the ins and outs you know the practicalities of the of the movement you know I've learned so much with feminism I'm still I'm very shaky um in terms of my in terms of my knowledge in terms of my ability to be able to articulate and deal with all of the nuances okay because the thing is like to me once you abolish the property status at least legally at least on the surface at least in the in the rhetoric right i mean we're we're not here as a women's movement dealing with a world a globe that says w- women women ought to be property women are property I mean, you know literally speaking chattel property anymore i mean there are still places in the world where they are this is i'm i'm not dismissing that but what i'm saying is that you know the the rhetoric around women's rights has has moved on from um in general from you know it's not a global movement against chattel property status. I mean, I, I sometimes I'm I'm now questioning that because there are so many women in the world who do have have the chattel uh, the status of chattel property. Maybe we need to be getting back to that and eliminating that, you know, uh, for those women uh, before we. S- so it's interesting, isn't it? I'm now wondering. You see, I just I just have so much to learn about about feminism. I want to be a, I want to be a well-informed. Feminist. Um, I still identify very strongly with radical feminism. I identify very strongly with Andrea Dworkin's work, her book *Pornography*. Confirmed everything I felt in my gut, and I could never articulate. And I still need to go back and reread that book. Um, I def, you know, but again, I'm, I'm anti-pornography, but I'm not, I'm not. I don't, and I don't want to. Demonise the women involved in it. In it, you know. So you have to be careful there. Learned a few things about the women in pornography. A vast majority of them are victims of sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse, sexual abuse of the whole life. I mean, so many women are victims of sexual abuse, but pornography industry is dominated by that that history. So so I've seen statistically. And you know if that doesn't tell you something, then I don't know what will. But um, anyway, I'm getting off on tangents and stuff. I mean, it's all it's all part of this. Yeah. So okay, women's movement, but the animal movement. Oh God, it's just so blatantly speciesist. I mean, it's 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 shocking to me, and I'm I can't get used to it, and um you know, you make a simple statement because why don't they understand that this is this is a fundamental rights violation on the same par as child pornography, as rape, as murder, as genocide. Those are not hyperboles. Those are not hyperboles. That is not speaking, you know, sensationalism. If you know, and who doesn't, What is happening to the non-human animals on our planet, by us, the animals we use, and you think, or you try to say that comparing them with things like genocide and, um, you know, all the things I said is, is an exaggeration or is hyperbole, that is so, 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 so speciesist on face, on face, it is blatant, blatant. Right, and um it's also not helping, <laughs> okay, because what you're doing is marginalizing the m- the movement of people who are actually reaching out to you, um, trying to say, "Please come over here, please come and join our voices and strengthen this voice that is speaking out against these fundamental injustices. Please, please raise your voice with ours. Please unite with our voice of fundamental injustice. There is no need to compromise because you have the entire world of non-vegans compromising. There is zero need for vegans to promote or support or endorse or forgive or allow for vegetarianism. Vegetarianism has, I think, billions of vegetarians to promote it. They don't need vegans to promote it, okay? Um, Welfareism has billions of non-vegans promoting it, including the animal industry. Veganism has very few people promoting it, okay? Exclusively... We need it to be exclusive, not marginalized, not sidelined, not as one measure of reducing suffering. Look at the figures, you know, do the math. Why? Why? Why are you over there on that side helping the vegetarians and welfarers, non-vegans, you know, meat consumers as whatever as well, promote that stuff. They don't need your help to promote that stuff come over here we need you we need you okay and it doesn't help when you make it personal and you get defensive and say you know and and you are so speciesist but and then of course you know that's difficult because when we you know when you're called that you know the defenses go up you know all of this sort of human stuff Oh gosh, just focus on the non-humans and what they're going through. Remember what they're going through. And just just put your family members in that position. Just just say, okay, if this was my children having this done to them, if this was my cousins or my people on some part of the world having done to them, what the non-humans have done to, you know, have done to them, get done to them every day. I mean, I, you don't even have to go into detail. You don't even have to go into the, you know, the, the, um, the unorthodox things that happen. And when I say unorthodox, I mean things that are not, you know, part of the industry practice itself. Just the basic, fundamental, what they have done to them. And... Put some of your family members in there. Will that help? Okay, just this, we've got to change this. We cannot, this can't continue. We're losing the battle if our own movement is part of the problem. Now, I don't want to be defeated, and I refuse to be defeated, and I'm not going to end on that negative voice. So what I'm going to say is the good news is that I do see more and more Vegans who are non-compromising, who are uh, aware uh, of the pro- problems, but I don't see. I do see a lot of people who are very uh, fundamental in their protest against non-veganism, and they don't compromise, and that's great. They don't promote welfareism and they don't promote single issues. And that's great. But they're silent. They're silent about the massive injustice and the glaring problem of the animal welfare movement machine that is exacerbating the problem. That is exacerbating and making worse the problem. And that bothers me. It really does. Um, I generally leave those people alone. What I mean by leave them alone is I don't, I don't, you know, I don't try to reach out to them. Maybe I should. Oh, I just, I don't have the time right now. I'm going back to school in a week, and I'm going to be buried under the ocean again. That's what it's like. But I'll be back. I mean, this is only a temporary degree, and then I'll have my life back. I'll be working, and I'll be le- still learning. I'll be a new Person, but I, I mean, I can in a new, you know, job and everything. But I mean, I'll have a lot more time, so I'll be back. You know, this is just a hiatus, really. But um, what was I saying? Just um, gosh, I hope this phone has not stopped recording and all of this has gone to to nothing. But yeah, uh, I does it does it does bother me, because we also need their voices too. You know, you can't tell me when you are, uh, extremely. Uncompromising about veganism and you don't you don't budge an inch when you're talking about non veganism you can't tell me that you don't see the problem with welfareism you just you're just silent about it you don't you don't you're silent about it and and i don't agree with that I really don't um, because it is one of the biggest problems we have, and silence is complicit. So that's all I have to say about that. But anyway, there's tons but still. But still, you know, for those people who think that we're like, it's all or nothing, and we don't see that better is better than worse, which is absurd, I'm glad that there are more vegans, mostly young vegans, who are uncompromising about veganism. They may be being silent about welfareism, and, you know, single-issue campaigning, um and they're not challenging that, but (laughs) the silver lining of that is they're not promoting it in any way, they're not supporting it in any way, they are unequivocally promoting veganism, engaging with non-vegans, and in a way, I mean, here I am, maybe they're just like realizing how futile it is to engage with welfarist (laughs) vegans, and they're just like, I'm just going to do this, because that's a waste of time. If that's the case, Oh, I kind of understand that. I really, really do. Um, they, it is easier to engage with non vegans than it is with welfare as vegans. Truthfully. That's my experience. It's certainly easier on my nerves. I don't know why. Strange, isn't it? I mean there is some horrible things you run into when you engage with non vegans, don't get me wrong, but um it just doesn't compare. <sighs> Um, so anyway, I'm going to stop. I had to rant. I feel much better. It does help me to... It does help us. It helps people to talk. We're a social animal. We need to talk. We need to get it out. I'm looking so much forward to seeing my bestie, Will, come over for dinner and we and I can rant. And he's such a wonderful person because he gets it. <laughs> and there's very few of us on our side, so uh, we need each other. So anyway, but the good news is it is changing and it is definitely changing. Okay, I just want it to be faster. <laughs> I want to see the abolition of the welfareist movement as well as the abolition of um, speciesism. And I don't believe we will have the abolition of speciesism until we have an abolition of the welfareist movement. I actually don't believe, I actually do believe that, that that's, you know, yeah, I just do. So, anyway, apart from that, thank you for everyone who listens. Forgive me for staying in university If if you feel well. You don't have to forgive me if you don't agree with it. I understand. And um it's yeah, and anyway, I will be back and keep up the good work all of you. You know who you are. Much love. Bye.